folks, it's the Backyard Brawl post show, but this time with a recruiting twist, folks, because we're going to talk about how recruiting can be helped by this. We're also going to talk Jordan Bass committed during the game. That's right. He committed during the Backyard Brawl, and we're going to discuss what Pitt is going to get there, including an update on Hakeem Williams with John Garcia Jr., folks. As always, thanks for listening to the Locked on Pitt podcast. Our Locked On Pit, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Folks, welcome to the Locked On Pit Podcast. And I know everyone's still on that uh, fever high, if you will, from Pitt defeating West Virginia in the backyard brawl. And what is one of the craziest games I think I have ever seen, folks. I'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash Locked On College. Terms and conditions apply. Well, as always, when we talk recruiting, I always love to have John Garcia Jr. on, and he's the man in the business. And, John, welcome to the show, man, again. Good to be on with you, and uh, obviously, you know, congratulations to your audience for, for a really great uh, start to the 2022 season. Uh, I mean, I don't know. That, that, that went about as well as it could have possibly gone. Obviously, I'm sure your audience would have preferred, you know, 38 to 0, but – just the drama, the atmosphere, you got a commitment and the belief in in this version of Pitt, which feels different, by the way, is is now kind of restored nationally, all, all in, in one three hour window. So or maybe more than three hours because the game was dramatic window. So uh, really, really fun to, to kick off the season that kind of way. So congratulations to, to all your listeners out there. Yeah, it, it has been a crazy few hours days for pit fans i know that and pit players especially we see all the trash talking going on between wvu and pit this rivalry was just great i i can't believe we went 11 years without seeing the backyard brawl after what we saw last night there was that hate hatred you saw there was intensity everything about this game is what to me john makes college football so great it, it really is these regional rivalries and this was such a great game, such a great game in that regard. Yeah, this this was the reminder to everybody that this one, this rivalry is real, uh, and two, there's it, it's longstanding. It's not, you know, a product of of realignment on the other side of it or just some kind of five ten year deal. This is you know over a century <laughs> of back and forth. Some of the storylines within the game reflected that. Every big hit, every sack, every tackle for loss, every first down, every touchdown was celebrated to the highest degree. The passion was there. Um, the aggression was there from both sides. I mean, it was just – and the fans. I think the fans deserve a lot of credit here because the perceptional knock on Pitt is, well, you know, NFL Stadium, they don't sell it out, and it becomes, you know, just kind of business, a business-like atmosphere – that was raucous yesterday. There's there's really no other way to put it. And sure, of course, West Virginia fans contributed to that. But mostly Pitt fans, Pitt at home, that thing was, 
if if you were introducing somebody to college football in that regard, you would not have had to explain that that was the Pittsburgh Steelers stadium and NFL stadium that the, the Panthers share. You wouldn't have had to ever get to that question because you would have just said, oh, wow, this is why, like, if, if you brought in someone from another country, oh, okay, this is what college football is. I get it. I get why people talk about it the, their whole lives, right? You know, uh, and I think that was just such a great, almost like uh, commercial for college football, commercial for the sport, a four-hour commercial for the sport. Uh, the game had everything, everything within it. Um, and obviously, you know, for, for your audience, the, the best ending possible as well. Yeah, certainly. I think that that pick six by MJ Devonshire was about as loud as you'll hear Akershire Stadium. And, and that includes Steeler games. That was about as loud as I've ever heard it. Um, the, the only louder things I can think of was a similar pick six by Troy Polamalu back in the AFC Championship game uh, against the Baltimore Ravens um, a while back. But that was as loud as a pit game has ever been. Uh, Penn State 2016 on the final pick there by Ryan Lewis to beat them uh, in the first reiteration of that rivalry too was another one. Um, but yeah, this can, we, game, can we bring these back, please? What are we doing? Yeah. I know, exactly. I know TV contracts and conference badges and all that stuff. I mean, come on, like Pitt needs to play Penn state and it needs to play West Virginia, maybe even more so every freaking year. Like I, I, I can't stand it. it. It happens everywhere, right? Texas doesn't play Texas A&M. Florida doesn't play Miami. Like what, what are we doing? I, I know the TV money's crazy, but there's so much resources. Like, let's just figure that out. And let's do it a week one every year, every year, week one for your biggest rival that that isn't in your conference. Like line that up, sign me up and let's go. Yeah, I think that that's a great idea. And again, there was a this was so hyped up for Pitt. Like everyone wanted this to happen. Everyone wanted the backyard brawl to happen. Penn State would be a great game to have here, too. Right. Like everything about that. Um, So like that is what college football is to me. I, I wish we had this every year now we are going to have the backyard brawl for most of the next decade which is good news um but that pit penn state rivalry no idea when that's coming back or anything like that texas texas a&m you you don't know when some of those are coming back so we'll see but i do want to talk about this from a recruiting aspect and we saw all the recruits that were here for pit today uh, lamar seymour came up from miami for this one um we, we saw a bunch of local guys here uh top local talent in 24-25 for Pitt um, was here. Uh, and then you obviously had the NFL and the Pitt legends that were here. You had uh, you had James Conner, Kenny Pickett. Um, Kyler Murray was here. Uh, there was a ton of different talent here. And what do you think, if you're a local recruit, this did for Pitt? Because this is a – Pitt's trying to reinvigorate that base in the Whippeal and I can't think of a much better way to do it than what they just did last night. Yeah, because you did it you did it at the state at, at Pittsburgh at home. You did it against your primary geographical recruiting and now on-field rival. Um you did it with an atmosphere that again goes against the perception. All all the, the few teams that play in NFL stadiums, I think Temple, Miami, a couple other ones. That's the knock. Well, it's not your stadium. You're sharing it, and the passion isn't the same because it is not yours. Again, nobody would have guessed that if they didn't already know that on Thursday evening. So if we saw it through the television and and the phone and the tablet screen, imagine being there for what you said is arguably the loudest or second loudest 
um, you know, decibel level that you have experienced at that stadium. Um, th that says a ton to me, uh, but you didn't have to be there to understand that it was loud, passionate, uh, ebb and flowing, all the things that make college football great. And any counter argument to, to that perception of, of it not being the same at Pitt or Miami or whatever, this is now going to be the counterpoint, right? This is now going to be the, did you see the backyard brawl in 2022 to kick off the season? National prime time. It was the perfect setting. And I, again, I think the game flow was necessary. It was, it needed to be that way to keep it up at this level for four hours almost. I mean, it was at that level for so very long. And I think that was very necessary in maintaining that energy. Uh, obviously, the drama late absolutely helped, especially when the home team was was down and pulls it out there at the end. Um, this this was the perfect, perfect atmosphere to remind folks that you know this isn't a one year deal with Pitt, but more importantly, over the long haul, to reestablish that that recruiting footprint and say, hey, local guys, if this is what you can get. If you come here, it's it's one thing to tell them. It's a whole nother galaxy to show them. And again, it didn't take much to show them yesterday. I guarantee you every single kid that was there was glad they made the trip, including those coming from afar, like like a Lamar Seymour. And I do want to talk more about the local guys. But first, folks, going to let you know about BetOnline because BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports information this season now you don't want to bet on the backyard brawl anymore but tennessee is next week pitt's got another prime time abc that won't matchup. Be boring and so yeah it'll be boring that's for sure uh, and it's a negative four in favor of pitt right now so if you want to throw money on tennessee or the pitt panthers yet again if you did you can do that just head over to bet online it's your continuous source for all your sports wagering information including college football esports live betting and so much more head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action bet online where the game starts welcome back to the locked on pit podcast everybody talking backyard brawl with a little bit of a recruiting twist today with john garcia jr and john i want to talk about the whippeal because you talked about how that could reinvigorate well guess who caught that pick six mj devonshire he's a local hey, kid. Hey. he is a local kid uh that what does that do because that aliquippa connection you've heard about the quip to pit a pipeline Darrell Revis in that, uh, as, of course. Um, but that is a huge pipeline for Pitt in the past, and they've been trying to reinvigorate, haven't had a ton of success there. But MJ Devonshire is the one guy that they have gotten, and he makes the play. A local kid being able to do that, how much does that help Pitt? Again, it's something that is always sold uh, and told, but it's it's hard to match when it actually happens. There's there's nothing quite like that and look Pitt has to play this balancing act right we've talked about it a bunch on this show you're going to recruit the entire eastern seaboard all of ACC country if you will and now because look if you're a modern team that is avoiding the transfer portal you ain't going to win now you're also bringing in players that you didn't even really recruit out of high school like like Keaton Slovis your quarterback so it's this balancing act of we're going to win and we're going to go get our guys to do it but you have to always play the hometown card on top of that. Uh, so it's got to be kind of equally distributed. Uh, but again, when it is so visible, so clear, um, and, and so in your face, it has to hit a little bit uh, closer to home. And, and again, if you're a local recruit who was there, which was obviously the majority of, of these kids, because it was a Thursday game. So hard to hard for out of staters uh, for the most part to get up there just logistically. 
you just you see that. And I think it was fitting that it was on the defensive side of the ball because I think that correct me if I'm wrong here, Nick. I think we see more talent on the defensive side of the ball in that area. And with Pitt, it seems to resonate more as well. It just seems like their stars from the Whippeal most recently. I don't know if you go back to Tyler Boyd and some of these other guys, it was more on offense. For me, perceptionally, where I sit nationally it looks like the defensive players from the region have been more of the calling card players for Pitt compared to, to some of those on offense. So again, in that regard, just fitting to reiterate, to retweet it, if you will, uh, for, for some young folks listening, retweet that fact that, hey, you could still put on for the hometown program because it is such a competitive area to recruit. Uh, again, we talked about West Virginia having success there. Penn State's always a factor here. You you talked about Notre Dame becoming a bigger factor in the region and, and those those other contending programs are not going to minimize or they're only going to expand as as time and conference realignment and all that stuff rolls on so reiterating it in any way is a big deal but to have that as the game winner all in one motion at home prime time all that stuff again about as ideal as as you could get uh in terms of trying to sell that to the next wave of, of pit panthers Certainly. And, and yeah, the defensive side of the ball has obviously been huge. Um, look at some of the local legends that have come out of the defensive side of the ball recently. And, I, and I'll go to Darrell Revis to start that. But also, of course, one Aaron Donald is the big one, obviously. He's the best football player probably in football. Um, and he came from Pittsburgh. And he was an under-recruited guy that Pitt jumped on. He's a guy that tells you that. So, yeah, I think that that's, there's a lot of truth to that. Right now, Pitt has a lot of local talent on that defensive line too. Uh, Dayon Hayes, Nakai Johnson, Dorian Ford. Uh, so that's where a lot of the talent comes. Now, MJ Devonshire Corner, obviously, they do have some of that offensive line talent locally as well, but a lot of their talent on the defense. So that's big for Pitt. But I want to get away from the local and I want to get to the big fish, Hakeem Williams. And, and I know that we talk Hakeem Williams so much on here, but really this is such a huge – commitment if Pitt ends up getting it even if it isn't finished till the till the dot is signed and there's a lot of moving parts here it sounds like there might be two visits now John and yeah. <laughs> so many different things but what does a game like this do for Pitt in the grand scheme of things in the high key high key Williams race well there were some un, unanswered questions for Williams or any Pitt wide receiver target going into Thursday night one how is it going to look with this new offense, right? How is the wide receiver room going to be prioritized? Two, how will it look under Ty Underwood in his first full, you know, here we go, all hands on deck kind of deal? And then three, how would the players look? How would the ball be distributed between those guys? And I think all those questions were certainly answered to a degree for Hakeem Williams. Uh, I think you saw more balance in this pit offense overall. Um, and you saw a kind of an equally distributed deal between the receivers. Uh, obviously, you know, some made plays on their own. You know, Jared, Jared Wayne, you know, makes a guy miss and, and goes, you know, 50-something yards on the on the screen pass um, and, and makes something happen. But, you know, the ball was distributed well beyond just him. Um, so I think that you get that question answered as well. But then, to me, on the back end, you get, for Ty Underwood, you're, you can say, hey, you know, we're not – game planning or building this passing attack around one guy but now we can say if you come 
maybe this changes. So you've seen how we've done it in the past with that alpha. And now you're seeing it, you know, a little bit more by committee, which isn't the worst thing, especially when you can run the football like Pitt can. Now you're, you're seeing two different looks from a wide receiver room. So now you can sell one angle of, hey, come be the counter to that and come be the alpha or two, come be a part of this committee and maybe be the lead guy in this committee and, and everybody eats. You know, it kind of depends on the player, right? If, if he's a more selfish kind of diva type of wide receiver, sell him on the alpha status. If he's more of a, I just want to win and play ball and be ready for the league, you send him, sell him on the community status and the pro style approach that looks a little bit more reflective of NFL ball right now compared to sometimes last year where it looked like it was Sandlot, Air Raid, we're just going to chuck it around kind of deal. So you can manipulate that into a message in either direction. But I think for Williams, beyond the receiver stuff, the stuff I talked about earlier is what hits the hardest. Because if you look at some of the schools in the mix, right, Texas A&M, Kyle Field, known for 100,000 people, being loud, 12th man, the chance, all that stuff, right? Georgia, SEC East, Athens, great college town, small, rural, all that stuff. Again, classic college atmosphere, Florida State, same kind of deal. Another program heavily involved with him. And then Miami and Pitt are like the outliers. They're, they're on their own world. Um, so now if, if, if other schools are in contact with Hakeem, and you know they are every single day, that now doesn't hit the same if they say, hey, come play in front of a raucous sold-out crowd every single game because now Pitt has shown you they can do that. And when, when Miami's winning at times, they could show you a little bit of that as well. So if that has been a part of any of the process, that now dampens a little bit because of what we saw. And again, primetime marquee ESPN game, the whole world watching seemingly, even as Penn State plays, by the way, which is – always interesting i'm sure for your audience that could be where it resonates even more for hakeem williams as opposed to the technical on-field wide receiver offensive sell because all that stuff's been reiterated and i'm sure you know a tangible throughout the last six to 12 months but now it, it just it hits different when you see it and you feel it and he surely did obviously his mom was was checking it out as well i know she was on social media reflective of that so that's a good sign for Pitt. They are going to get a visit here in the next week plus uh, for that Tennessee game, which will will be a huge, uh, again, a huge atmosphere and a huge opportunity uh, for Pitt. Uh, that's another kind of uh, funky – it's almost a rivalry, I, I feel like, uh, between these two programs. They recruit similarly and in similar areas. So I think that will be important. And, you know, you know a part of this cell from Georgia and A&M – you know the SEC ACC thing pops up too, right? So I think another head-to-head check mark in either direction isn't the worst thing in this recruitment, but that's the key, right? Where is the timeline for this recruitment, and when does it end? Because September 23rd is the verbal commitment date, but as time has gone on here, and now we're in September, it really does feel like that's not going to be the end, uh, almost in any way, shape, or form. So that verbal commitment will be a declaration of the school that has the best chance to sign him in December, but it, it certainly doesn't feel like the door will be closed thereafter. We heard rumors about a late Texas A&M visit. Now we're hearing more about a Florida State visit that could be materializing after this commitment date. Miami is trying to get him back on campus, but like we talked about, he's booked for next week. Uh, so the weeks leading up to the commitment are becoming fewer and farther in between. So, 
if Miami does convince him to take a game visit uh, and he does get to Florida State for another, again, this thing is wide open relative to the verbal commitment date. So on two fronts, that's big for Pitt because right now we feel like A&M might have the most momentum. FSU's locally holds a little bit more buzz than Miami. And then, you know, Georgia's still there too. So does he try to get over to Athens? And then you want this recruitment to extend if you're Pitt because if you're trailing, you want to have the opportunity to make up some ground. So that combined with the next trip after Saturday going up to Pittsburgh, his first in-season campus visit will be to Pitt, even though he's going to this neutral site Florida State LSU game, uh, I believe Sunday. Now it that hits different as well. And, and if that becomes the final on-campus impression, you now know what's, what's ahead of you in that regard. Although, again, coaches are going to hit the road, evaluate these guys, and eventually go in home with the Williams camp. Uh, so, so this battle to me rages all the way to mid-December at the earliest um, because it's just looking like this verbal commitment date is, is just that. It is a, a declaration of, hey, this is the team who leads for me, and, and we'll see where, where the other dominoes fall thereafter. Of course, kids can ch- change their mind all the time. It's, these are teenagers, uh, and these are coveted teenagers with a whole lot of um, people in their ear, whether it's their coaches, other coaches recruiting, parents, family, friends, mentors, you know, their friends, their peers, kids committed to these schools, you know. Uh, there's Kenny Minchie picking up the phone here, you know, say, hey, Keen, you know, Akeem, this could be me and you. This could be me and you. Um, they're hearing all these things so they could change their mind at any given moment. Um, so tangibly knowing you're getting a visit soon, following through and getting the trip after setting this national impression, I think is a really advantageous position to be in though. Again, it appears like there's so many twists and turns potentially remaining in this recruitment. Yeah. And it's going to be a crazy recruitment to watch who knows what happens here. But again, Pitt will have Hiking Williams on campus for this Tennessee game. 3.30, ABC should be a huge crowd yet again for Pitt. And if they win, Pitt has a very good chance to maybe catapult themselves all the way into the top 10, which would – we talked about that factor as well, maybe the in-season success and what Hiking Williams is looking at there. That could also be big for Pitt if they end up, say, around the commitment date, end up being in the top 10 yeah. with some of these other schools and are stacking uh, another good season together. But Pitt did get a commitment of them, their own last night at – was long awaited. This is one of the ghost uh, commitments that we've had out there since June, uh, (laughs) actually on the official visit trail. I think it was June 16th that a Pat signal, which is a Pat Narduzzi tweet uh, put out and we hadn't had that not answered. Well, now we have the answer of who it is. It's Jordan Bass um, from Virginia. And that was a weird time to announce it during the middle of the backyard brawl, but it was after his first high school game of his senior year. So that's what that explanation was. And Pitt has another linebacker now. And, and I know that the Pitt staff is super excited about Jordan Bass. They think he's legit. You got to. Um, we, we just talked about Pitt offensively last year versus this year. Imagine playing defense against the Kenny Pickett-led Pitt Panthers, right? What kind of linebackers do you need? You need guys who are amazingly comfortable in space, whether it's rushing the passer, coverage, or a combination of the two. And that's exactly what Jordan Bass is, so much so that he might be a safety. He might be a hybrid. He might just be a defensive player or a football player that you're just like, hey, come to camp. 
we'll see how big you are and, and we'll work you out at position A. And if it doesn't feel right, you can go to position B and, and figure it out from there. That is, is the modern linebacker um, because most of these offenses are pushing towards that direction more so than a ground and pound approach. So while Jordan is certainly comfortable running sideline to sideline, finishing at the contact point, all those things, he is most comfortable seemingly in space, floating in those underneath zones, playing a little bit of a robber or a rover at the high point, or even backpedaling and playing half the field. We have seen him play at the second or third level, just about anywhere you can ask an athletic specimen to play. So when you're doing that at 6'3", 205, 210, or whatever he is at this moment, it, it, it hits a little bit harder because that's where you want your linebackers to be as seniors in high school because then they get to pit, they put on another 10 to 15 pounds, now you're 225, and if you can maintain that athleticism and still hold value from a coverage standpoint, you're not coming off the field. And that's as ideal as it gets on the defensive side of, of the ball, right? These offenses are going faster and faster nowadays. They don't want to change personnel, so they don't give you an opportunity to do the same. So the players who can do the most individually are going to have the benefit of the doubt and, and crack the two deep sooner than those who are pigeonholed into one position. So I think in that regard, Jordan Bass is, is a very, very important get for this, this pit roster because it's like it's got a whole secondary verbally committed. It's working on some pass rushers, right? There's a couple edge players that are are now on board. So you got to fill out the rest. So interior defensive line and second level players who can be three down types. Uh, so Jordan Bass is about as ideal a get from a timing perspective as you could have hoped for as well. Really smart, athletic space first three down linebacker and that's for just about any team in the country that's just about what the doctor ordered uh when you're looking for players at the position so and he plays great competition from phoebus high school in virginia 757 all that stuff so that's exactly what you want especially when you go outside of your own footprint that's another area and state where pit is is kind of always prevalent right uh so to get on board in virginia in this cycle I think is is important because that's a that's a state where we're starting to see we're starting to see always great talent, but we're starting to see people really jump into it because Virginia, Virginia Tech just changed coaching staffs. Maryland, you know, is not a force. No disrespect to them in the Big Ten under Mike Loxley. It just seems like the DMV in general is just kind of open. It's an open season for programs to capitalize on success. So why not Pitt? Yeah, and Pitt has jumped in there in the past two years. Rodney Hammond, who you saw put up a big, uh, big year uh, last year, and then come up to that game against West Virginia and have a great game, is a seven-five-seven guy. That's one of the guys that Pitt has gone into Virginia and gotten. And obviously, he, he made Bruce, some fans on Thursday night. My gosh, well, he the, he he has a whole new group of fandom nationally. I would say he does. And you saw him, him pulling defenders and into the end zone for touchdowns, and really for a while there. Quite honestly, he was the reason Pitt was in that game after some of the sloppy play, but. What uh what a pull out of seven by seven. They hope Jordan Bass can be a similar type of guy. Their linebacking recruiting class is going to be Rasheem Biles, Braylon Loveless, and Jordan Bass. Not too bad of a haul if I don't say so myself. John, as always, thanks for coming on, man. Tell them where they can follow you, read your stuff, all that great stuff. Yeah, we got some fresh class rankings dropping now that we're in September, uh, coming next week at SI.com. So check us out uh, and on social media there as well, John Garcia underscore JR. Folks, as always, thanks for listening. As we ended here, always, hail to Pitt.